This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamecom slash donate. Thank you for listening. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Sovereign God, we are at the preaching hour. And you, God, are the one who shall bring forth this word. Lord, I have wrestled with this word that you gave me. But I am your vessel. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, I surrender my all to you. That as the word shall be proclaimed, that it is you that they see and less of me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart certainly be acceptable in thy sight. For you are my rock and my redeemer. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So before I get down to the sermon and go right in, I just wanted to share with you, if you just indulge me for just a few minutes, of how I came about this word for this morning or how the Lord did it. <laughs> you see, on Tuesday, I believe, we went up to Connecticut, a few of us, and we had a meeting with the team that's going to Guatemala. We went around and we talked about what is it that we're hoping to expect from God, or what is it that we hope will happen in Guatemala? And everybody went around and told what they thought would happen or what they hoped for. And towards the end, Pastor Ralphie, it was in Guatemala, and that's where we're going. He said something that captured my heart. And he said, he said, I'm not talking about any of you, but many people have come to serve. They have fixed the lights. They have built, helped build houses. And then they have left. None of them have seen or hugged the people. That really, really did something to me. Then the next day, I was on the train, headed to the city to go to work, a Metro North. I get on the train, and, I, and it's packed. A lot of people are standing. And in front of me is this gentleman who's caught my attention, and his, he was looking at his phone, but there was something that looked like he was distraught about something. So, you know, I just looked at him for a few minutes, and then I looked at my phone. And next to my right was this woman sitting in a one-seater. And all of a sudden, I see the gentleman that was in front of me go right in front of her. There was some space there. And it's almost like he was hiding himself. And he picked up the phone, and I could overhear him say, I'm coming to work. But I fell. Um, and then I will be in. When he said that, I happened to look down, and the man had a huge purple stain on his shirt. And can I tell you, for the next 40 minutes of that ride, the man stood hid in that corner. And I want to believe it's because he felt embarrassed and ashamed. 
And something in me wanted to go up to him so bad and just put my hand on his shoulder and say, it's okay. I see you. It's okay. Just to affirm to him that the stain doesn't matter. It's okay. And for 40 minutes, this man just stood in this corner, almost sheltering himself. If he could have gone through the train door, he would have. And as we're getting off the train, he waited until practically everyone was gone off that cart to come out. And of course, as I was walking, I was like, Lord, I pray that um, someone would just see him today and tell him it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And I happened to call a friend, and I, and I said, you know, this is what was going on. And she said, can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. She said, why didn't you go to him? Mm. Of course. That caught me off guard because I said, you know, if I went to him, I didn't want it to seem like I was drawing attention to him. And when we got off the phone, when you've been a Christian long enough, you thank God for correction and conviction. Because the Lord said to me, how are you praying that someone else would do the very thing that I put in your spirit to do? Amen. And you know what that felt was like? It was, it, it was like, I didn't think of the man per se. I thought about myself. And that was hard to take, but it was a good pill to swallow. So now this is happening this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm struggling with the Lord. Where am I going to preach? Where am I going? Speak to me. Like I've looked at certain scriptures and nothing is coming to me. Friday night, against my better judgment, I watched the video of Tyree Nichols get beaten to death by five Memphis police officers who were supposed to protect and serve. And that was hard to watch because it was so inhumane what they did to this man. 29 years old, 140 pounds, used as a punching bag, used as just, just, it was like he was not even human. It's like they didn't see him. And I'm sitting there, and, and what's the worst is, it's the last video where you hear no words, but you see everything that is taking place. After they, after they have done this to him, two paramedics came. Nobody. They did not even service him. They didn't even see him. He, came, he kept going in, dropping down. It's because he was going in and out of consciousness. Because there was bleeding in his brain. All those police officers, no one attended to him. No one served him. Another human being having two younger brothers, African-American brothers, that touched me. But it should have touched everybody that watched it. Amen. And I dare say it was even harder to look at our own, do that to one of their own. Mm. Yes. 
it was hard to watch. So when I finished watching that, and I'm like, Lord, where am I going? And the Lord says to me, I have shown you everything you need to preach on Sunday. Mm. And he did. A man was driving his car when he saw an old lady stranded on the side of the road. He saw that she needed help. So he stopped his Pontiac near her Mercedes and got out. He smiled while he was approaching her. Still, she was worried as nobody had stopped for hours. Moreover, he did not look safe as his appearance was poor and shabby. He could see how frightened she was. So he tried to calm her. I'm here to help you, don't worry. My name is Brian Anderson. The tire was flat, so he had to crawl under the car. While changing the tire, he got dirty and his hands were hurt. When the job was done, she asked how much she owed him for his help. Brian smiled, he said, if you really wanna pay me back, the next time you see someone who needs help, give that person the needed assistance and think of me. At the same evening, the lady stopped at a small cafe. That place looked dingy. <laughs> then she saw a waitress, nearly eight months pregnant, wiping her wet hair with a towel. The waitress had a sweet, friendly smile, although she had been on her feet the whole day. The lady wondered how someone who was so little can be so kind and giving to a stranger. Then she remembered Brian. The lady had finished her meal and paid with a $100 bill. The waitress went to get change, and when she came back, the lady was gone. She left a note on the napkin. You don't owe me anything. Somebody wants to help me, just like I'm helping you. If you really want to pay me back, do not let this chain of love end with you. The waitress found four more 100 bills under the napkin. That night, the waitress came home early. She was thinking about the lady and the money she left. She was wondering how the lady could know how much she and her husband needed it, especially now when the baby will soon arrive. She knew that her husband worried about that, so she was glad to tell him the good news. Then she kissed him and whispered, now everything will be all right. I love you, Brian Anderson. The story I just read was a great example of true service by Brian Anderson. In spite of his own struggles and difficulties, his heart of service towards the lady was not based on what he could receive, but rather seeing a person in need and knowing that he could help, a service of the heart. And what exactly do I mean when I speak of true service, especially from the Christian life? You see, according to author Richard Foster, who wrote Celebration of Discipline, The Path to Spiritual Growth. If you haven't read it, you should read it. He speaks about what true service is and what it is not. And he says to understand and practice true service, we must also understand what self-righteous service is. And he begins, it says, self-righteous service comes through human effort 
It spends immense amounts of energy calculating and scheming how to render the service. True service comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. One serves out of whispered promptings and divine urgings. Self-righteous service requires external rewards. It needs to know that people see and appreciate the effort. It seeks human applause. True service rests content in hiddenness. It does not fear lights and flare of attention, but it does not seek it either. Mm. Self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. It eagerly waits to see if the person served will reciprocate in kind. Mm -hmm. True service is free of the need to calculate results. Mm. It delights only in the service. It can serve enemies as freely as friends. These are some of the differences with true service versus self-righteous service. Now let us look, take a look at our text and see how true service is demonstrated and how we can practice it in our very own lives. Well. To give you some context or backdrop of what John is talking about in chapter 13, John is letting us know that it was time for Jesus to be glorified and to depart from this world back to the Father. John shares that Jesus loved his disciples to the very end. Jesus had spent three years with 12 disciples. During those three years, Jesus taught them, he led them, he prayed for them, and he loved them. Yeah. Jesus and the disciples at this point were preparing for supper, as we know it to be the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want us to, to, to be clear about at this point right now is during that time, People wore sandals, and the roads were covered in mud, animal waste, and trash. So you can imagine how dirty their feet must have gotten before entering the household. Mm. And because of this, in every house, there was a copper urn and basin with a pitcher by the door to wash the feet of those who entered the house. The washing of feet was a duty reserved, not just for servants, This job was given to the lowest of servants, the slaves. And now it was time for supper. And at that point, the devil had already entered Judas. And Judas and Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. John goes on to tell us that Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped the towel around his waist, and poured water into the basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. I can only imagine how puzzled they must have been. And Jesus made it clear to the disciples that though they didn't understand what, was, what he was doing, later they would. And of course, you know how if you have siblings, your parents always say, God always gives you one. <laughs> and one of the disciples, Peter, he wasn't having it. He's like, he tells Jesus, no, you will never wash my feet. Mm-hmm. And so let me, let, let me bank this really plain for you guys. When I was in Virginia, when it rained, there was this nasty red clay mm-hmm. that would get on your clothes and your feet. Mm-hmm. So now just go with me really quick. Just imagine it rains here in Mount Vernon. 
and we're downstairs and we're doing some sort of missions work outside. And it begins to pour down rain. And there's all this trash outside and we come inside and our feet are just horrific. As pastor would say, dingy. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Pastor Marriott decides he's going to wash our feet. Now understand, I am not making a comparison between Jesus and Reverend Marriott, but I'm explaining to you how, just like Jesus was a teacher, and he was the shepherd at the time, I'm talking about the shepherd in this house. And so he begins to want to wash, and, I, and let's be honest, some of us will be like, Pastor, what are you doing? No, no, just like Peter did. No. What are you doing? And I will tell you, as much as people want to look at what Peter said as humility, it is not humility. Because what Peter was really saying is, if I were a master, I wouldn't wash your feet. Well, well, That's what he was saying. Yeah. So for all of us that would say, Pastor, no, because let's be honest, we probably all would have said it. We are telling Pastor that if I was in your place, I would not wash his people's feet. That's the self-righteous service I am talking about. And many of us struggle with that. Because true service would allow you to be served, knowing you too would do the same thing. And so Jesus let him know, unless I wash your feet, Peter, you won't belong to me. Translated is, you will not be in fellowship with me. Of course, Peter got, got the message. He was like, oh, if that's the case, wash my hands, my head, and you know, just shower me with everything. <laughs> because he realized he did not want to be disconnected from the Lord. Amen. And this is a point to also realize that what Jesus was trying to say is, once saved, always saved. But there's times you need to just wash the part of you that needs to be cleaned. Yeah. And that is a great demonstration of how we carry our cross daily. And we need to go to Jesus all the time and say, Lord, forgive me. Mm. We need to ask for repentance yeah. so that we can stay clean. Yeah. Now we get to the text for today. It says, then when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? This brings me to my first point about what true service requires. True service requires love. Jesus took the humble road to wash dirty feet of those who should have been washing his feet. He emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave. That's love. Mm -hmm. True service comes from, I said earlier, from a relationship with Christ. Think of it this way. If, if self-righteous service was, is out of human effort, truth be told, I could say I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to wash somebody's feet that's done something wrong to me. I wouldn't. Some of us, even as Christians, we still don't want to. <laughs> but love, 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 love. Yeah. 
supersedes all of that. Amen. You know why? Because there was somebody because he loved us. Jesus Christ, he died for you, for you, and for me. And don't you think that Jesus knew that he had people in his group that not only would doubt him, but also would reject and betray him. Mm. And even because of that, he knew this, he still washed Judas's and Peter's feet. Amen. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Amen. And I will make it even plainer. The second greatest commandment in the Bible is love thy neighbor as thyself. We are to love as Jesus loved us, and he loved us enough to give his life for us. True service requires a love that is sacrificial. It's a love that listens, a love that helps, a love that encourages, and a love that costs you something. That is sacrificial love. And true love requires, true service requires love. Amen. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct, for so I am. So if I, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, mm -hmm. you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example so that you also would do just as I did for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who was sent greater than the one who sent him. We know that true service requires love. Which brings me to my second point. True service requires serving others. True service requires serving others. Yes, Jesus was the teacher and Lord, but even though he had a high ranking, and by ordinary standards of this world, he should have been served. But instead, he contradicts the ordinary standards of this world and serves. Mm -hmm. He goes to the lower status, and we, are, and we have to do the same. He washed the disciples' feet. Mm. We too must wash the disciples' feet. Well, well. Am I saying that you've got to wash everybody's feet that you meet? I'm not saying that. I'm saying if that's what the Lord unctions you and requires of you, that's why you ought to do it, because he gave you an example, because he did it himself. Yeah. Yeah. We are here to help others, just as Jesus has helped the disciples. Mm. We are here to help those that are suffering, that are hurting, and simply who are in need. Yeah. Yeah. We are not above anyone. Jesus is the model of servanthood, and we are to follow him. That's why our self-righteousness needs to go. When you are called to serve or be of help to somebody, you can't decide who, when, where, or why. That's not for you to decide. Mm -hmm. If Jesus says, go and help because I have helped you and this is the right thing to do and this is what love looks like, you don't have time to think about it. You just do it. Jesus wants us to be of humble service to others as he was to his disciples. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, 
value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. As Pastor Mary says, not my words, the Lord's words. Galatians 5, 13 to 14 says, you, my brothers and sisters, we are called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Freedom is so important, yes. But it should not be used for self-gratification. You see, our freedom isn't intended to be spent on us, but rather to be poured out in service to others. If you knew, which brings me to my third point, if you know that true service requires love, Mm -hmm. true service requires serving others, and third and final point, true service pleases God. Jesus is saying now, if you understand all of that by saying in verse 17, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Jesus is saying, if you know all that and understand it, and I've told you about it, now I'm going to need you to act upon it. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And he says, if you do this, you will be blessed. Mm -hmm. Christ expects us to be obedient to what he has asked of us. And obedience is better than sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Matthew 20, verses 26 to 28 says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his his life as a ransom for money. Romans 8 If you didn't get it in the first verses, let me give you another verse. Romans 8, 7 through 8 says, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Let me say that again. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. If we go around with the self righteous service it is not pleasing to the god true service is of the heart and the more we resemble jesus the more we will also please god Mm -hmm. one of the things i want you to realize and just think about it when jesus bent down and washed his disciples feet you know what he was saying I don't care about the title because it's all about the towel. Hear me, church. He didn't care about the title. It was all about the towel. It was about serving those that were beneath him. He's Jesus Christ, God Almighty. But he humbled himself. True service needs to be a habit that we embody every day. If we are supposed to be conforming to Christ to transform the world, we have to die of ourselves daily, surrender to the will of God, so that we might better be able to serve God's people. If we are not able to show Christ 
how is anybody going to be able to see Christ? We need to surrender ourselves to be of service where there is a need. I didn't, I don't want you to think that I'm getting on your case, but I just want us to be able to see how much there is a need in this world with everything that is going on to the point that we have gotten to a place as human beings, we can't even look at another human being as a human being. That is not what Jesus Christ taught us. That is not what he exemplified for us. Brothers and sisters, we need to humble ourselves before an almighty God to be of service to those that are in need. I thank God that even though I did not have a chance to go to that gentleman, I repented and I thank God that I serve a God of second chances. I thank God I serve a God of second chances. That you know what? He's giving me an opportunity to get it right the next time. And what I want you to know, thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. What I want you to know, the greatest demonstration of true service was exemplified on the cross of Jesus Christ. He died because he loved us. He died because he was serving us. And he died because he was being obedient unto death to God. Brothers and sisters, in the midst of my tears and how I feel, I'm excited because God Almighty gives me another opportunity to go out and serve his people in the way he intended me to do it. Not the way Nefty wants to do it. Not in the self-righteous service. That's the cross I have to bear. And I'm willing to. So true service requires love. True service required serving others. And true service pleases God. Amen.